Hello, and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with polycystic ovary syndrome find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as well. Now let's get started. Today we are going to be talking about Hashimoto's inflammation, autoimmunity, and um, how that all could possibly be connected for women with PCOS. I know I hear from so many women with autoimmune um, issues and also thyroid, um, hypothyroidism. And I think a lot of women don't really make the connection that they could possibly have Hashimoto's, so I, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition if you are not already aware of that. So I wanted to bring on one of my favorite Hashimoto's experts, and that's Sharon Garrett. So Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. Um, it's Shannon. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know it's Shannon. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> it's okay. I've been called worse. <laughs> I know. You know what? I was just telling you before we got on that I was feeling hypo, hypoglycemic. Hypoglycemic. Like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Hey, it's Friday, busy. and uh, I understand you've had a busy week, so <laughs> it's, it's perfectly okay. Um, but thank you for having me. I'm so happy to come on the PO, PCOS Diva podcast. Uh, well, I want to just um, give our listeners a little info about your background. So Shannon teaches women how to reverse the symptoms of Hashimoto's by helping them discover underlying causes by incorporating diet, um, lifestyle changes, and customized nutrition. She is an autoimmune thyroid wellness nurse expert and certified functional nurse nutritionist. She's the author of the Hashi Sister Guide to LD. Dien and Hashimoto's Finding Joy in the Journey, and the soon-to-be-released book, Hashimoto's R&R, and she is the founder of HolisticThyroidCare.net. So again, Shannon, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I, I really, truly am glad to be here. I admire your work so much, and um, our communities have a lot in common, so I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I love your approach, too, and, and just like your, the, the, the title of your book, um, Finding Joy in the Journey, I and mean, I think that's what, um, you know, what I want to focus on with women with PCOS is that we think about all of these negative things, but it really is um, a, a journey, you know, when you're dealing with a health issue, a chronic health condition, to help you grow stronger, and I think to look at life from a different perspective and, um, you know, if you can kind of shift to joy and gratitude, it really does help the journey for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's really impossible for a body to heal, body, mind, and spirit, if you're rooted like I was in, um, I had a lot of... Um, issues with forgiveness and anger, frustration, <laughs> irritation, because I went um, uh, eight years 
undiagnosed and misdiagnosed, you know, by nine different doctors. So I ended up with really some hardening of heart. <clears throat> and I eventually realized, you know, I've got to I've got to heal that and let that go if I'm going to get better. I can take all the supplements, follow the nutrition, do all these things, but until I can heal those areas, I'm not going to get better. So that's where um, Hashimoto's finding, finding joy in the journey um, evolved from. Yeah, you know, and I think um, we need to realize that it's so much more than just, you know, I say going on a low-carb diet and killing yourself at the gym. I mean, it really <laughs> takes this holistic mind-body-spirit approach to healing. Absolutely, um, yes. So something that I think uh, you know I've talked about on the podcast or on my website is the the role that inflammation plays with PCOS, mm-hmm. um, and I know that inflammation is something that is really at the root of Hashimoto's as well. So I was hoping we could kind of start with um, you know explaining maybe what the connection is with inflammation and Hashimoto's and and. Um, Another question I wanted to ask you, too, is how does one go about um, figuring out if her um, hypothyroidism, in fact, is Hashimoto's? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the diagnosis of Hashimoto's also includes a term called thyroiditis. And any medical diagnosis that ends with itis indicates inflammation usually chronic, which means long-term. So, you know, it can take many, many years for Hashimoto's to manifest into what we perceive to be classic low thyroid symptoms, even though there are early red flags going on and an underlying chronic inflammation process. So when I'm working with women, what I like to explain is that when I think of chronic inflammation, I tend to think of a fire that's burning out of control. You know, unlike the type of inflammation you notice when, for example, you cut yourself or you have a bruise and we have those wonderful white blood cell fighters that congregate to clean up the area and we have a little swelling or whatever, chronic inflammation is not like that. It's not visible to the naked eye. So what I'll often ask women is, were you inflamed even before you knew you had Hashimoto's or before you knew you had low thyroid symptoms? And a lot, there are a lot of um, conditions that indicate this low-level chronic inflammation that people don't necessarily associate with a compromised intestinal area that's releasing inflammatory chemicals. So conditions such as acid reflux or heartburn, um, chronic acne, chronic dry eye, recurrent urinary tract infections, PCOS, for example, dermatitis. um, One of the common ones that people won't necessarily relate to an autoimmune disease possibly in the works is periodontal disease. you know, I think of the popular commercial chronic dry eye, and they're, they're prescribing um, some type of drops for the chronic dry eye, but, but that's just treating symptoms. There's something going on in the body that's releasing these, you know, inflammatory chemicals that's driving the chronic inflammation. So with Hashimoto's, um, 
a woman may experience what we um, know to be classic low thyroid symptoms like um, you know fatigue that worsens over time, um, weight loss resistance, brain fog, uh, conditions, you know, skin change conditions where we have scaly skin or losing our hair. You know, all of these are driven by an underlying inflammatory process. But it can take several years for the thyroid antibodies to actually show up on a blood test. So what what I do with with clients and patients who actually were not seeing those antibodies manifested yet is that we just assume that we're possibly headed towards thyroid autoimmunity and we treat ourselves as such. You know, we care for ourselves with the nutrition and the nutraceuticals and reducing inflammation the way we would if Hashimoto's had already been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism are two different diseases, basically, even though hypothyroidism is the result of Hashimoto's. So women are also often surprised to see that when I put care plans together for them, <laughs> Hashimoto's is one care plan, hypothyroidism is a second care plan. And that's really to show them that we're dealing with two separate processes. You can get into remission with Hashimoto's and you can... Um, you know, improve hypothyroidism, but the two issues are different. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, so many of um, these health issues like PCOS and thyroid issues can be managed um, with lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what are you recommending to your um, clients? You know, what is the best kind of diet for, for yeah. PCOS? I mean so, for Hashimoto's. Well, and this would go for PCOS as well. Um, an anti-inflammatory diet that's unique to a particular woman. You know, there are many uh, uh, prescribed diets, you know, across social media and across the masses of information that we hear about, but not every Hashimoto's patient needs to be following, for example, the AIP diet. It really depends on where a woman is coming from. Is she coming from, you know, eating um, a lot of processed and packaged food every day and maybe eating fast food on the run because she's busy, you know, in her career and whatnot, and this is eating real food and cooking 90% of your meals at home is going to be a, a, a big change, then moving a woman towards AIP is going to be an improvement. Um, however, long term, what I have seen clinically is that AIP can result in significant nutrient deficiencies and the deficiencies it tends to deplete over time are those that are necessary for um, cellular energy, um, thiamine being one of them, vitamin B1 is one of the most important ones, and CoQ10 and there are others. So what I say is that let's do a um, food sensitivity test. Mm -hmm. to see what foods your unique body, you know, happens to be reacting to, and we'll eliminate those. And then, of course, we'll um, avoid the foods that play a role in molecular mimicry and trigger inflammation like gluten, dairy, corn, and soy protein. 
Um, but to say that we all, you know, need to um, eliminate certain groups of highly nutrient-dense foods that we may not be reacting to is not something that I generally recommend. Uh, so I think nutrition these days is highly individual. Um, we're all starting at a different place. We all had different triggers. Um, and we're just on a unique journey. But basically, overall, anti-inflammatory, customized for each each woman. Yeah, and I love that you brought up food, food sensitivity testing. Um, that was something that I just had done for myself, uh, gosh, maybe about nine months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had my, my naturopath, Dr. Margaret Nicholas, Nicholas. So if anybody's interested in that, you can listen to that podcast with um, Dr. Nicholas. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I found out that I was highly, highly allergic to eggs um, or insensitive in to eggs. And so mm -hmm. since I've taken the eggs out, um, you know, it's funny because if I would have like a a gluten-free muffin or something like that with eggs in it. I always thought that it was the grains that were bothering me. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and so now that, like, I can make a vegan muffin or whatever, I don't really have a problem with it. It was more like this that, that fatigue, brain foggy kind of in, mm -hmm. inflammatory feeling. Um, so removing the eggs from my, my diet the last nine months has made a huge, huge difference in the way that I feel. Um, That's awesome. So I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And, that, and I, it is, it's not, you know, there's uh, something that I've been hearing about a lot lately, lately is the um, like ketogenic diet. And, mm -hmm. you know, everybody s says if you have PCOS, you have to be on the ketogenic diet. You know, I don't think that there's any one-size-fits-all approach. Um, like, it's the same as your philosophy. Mm -hmm. But it still has to be based in an anti-inflammatory um, diet, you know, lots of plant-based foods. Um, yes. But if you're intolerant to something, um, you know, that, like, uh, another one on my, my list was pineapple. And, you know, I was eating a lot of pineapple because of the, you know, bromelain is a good mm -hmm. enzyme that helps digest, you know, after meals. But that was something that was causing inflammation for me. So it could be something that's actually a really good food. Um, oh, true. You know, I'll have women, when they complete their health history, and they'll, they'll always state that they eat a really healthy diet. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I always have, we, you know, I'm always like, let's break that down. What is, what is your healthy diet? Because for me, I thought I was eating a healthy diet too, and then my test results came back that I was sensitive to broccoli and cauliflower. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, what, what we perceive as a healthy food, we're just living in a, in a crazy era where, you know, the environment has changed and the soil has changed, and th there are a lot of variables that can influence why, me, why we may react to a food that we perceive as healthy because it is healthy, um, but it may not be for each person. Especially, you know, we're, de we're talking about people who have an autoimmune condition, you know, and PCOS, so um, obviously our systems may be reacting to foods that for the broad masses of people who don't have an autoimmune condition, you know, is a healthy food. So besides food, what other ways um, do you like to help your clients reduce inflammation? 
Okay, so definitely um, proactively engaging in stress management um, on a daily basis to help the body cope with not only emotional and mental stress, but also this physiological stress that's going on inside the body. Um, that's, not the, that's not the type of stress you necessarily are aware of, but I can tell you for sure that your cells are. So mm -hmm. proactively engaging stress reduction techniques on a daily basis is huge. Um, of course, I mentioned nutrition. Selenium, we need to increase glutathione uh, production in the body. So, you know, I said that um, chronic inflammation is sort of like a fire that's burning out of control. Antioxidants, glutathione being the master antioxidant, is sort of like, think of the fireman that put out the fire. <laughs> so selenium is excellent for increasing glutathione production in the body, and so is N-acetylcysteine, NAC. Those combined are very powerful um, nutrients for increasing glutathione. I often get asked from patients, you know, can I just go take an IV glutathione therapy because those are available. But at least from my own research and what I know clinically about glutathione as an IV therapy, um, it's too large of a molecule to cross the cell membrane. Um, it's really better if we can optimize glutathione by giving our liver what it needs to make its own. That's one of the great gifts we have been given as a human by our maker is that our body can produce its own glutathione. Um, so also omega-3 essential fatty acids. Um, I like to use complexes that um, are derived from fish, flax, and borage seed oils. I've found those to be uh, very effective. And then, as we said earlier, just eliminating um, gluten, dairy, corn, and soy protein, and then any foods that we know are trigger triggering inflammation in the body. But the, this is the um, initial starting point um, for women. You never want to just you know, throw the whole uh, box of supplements at someone yeah. um, because that can be overwhelming, but these two or three um, nutrients are pretty basic and can and really move you forward to decreasing inflammation. Yeah, and, and N-acetylcysteine is something that um, I write about extensively on PCOSDiva.com mm -hmm. and um, it not only you know helps with inflammation and the production of glutathione, but just a couple other things that it can help with. It's it's like one of those supplements that I think gives you a, a good bang for your buck. Um, it improves oh. insulin sensitivity, lowers yes. testosterone, mm -hmm. um, improves menstrual regularity and frequency of ovulation, and supports egg quality for fertility. Um, and it's um, you know it's very safe. Too. So. And do you want to know something else about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so um, and, you know, as a nurse, I used to work in a pulmonary setting before I became a cardiac nurse. And so you see a lot of patients with COPD or different lung uh, diseases. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of mucus production. And this is when respiratory therapists come in and give, you know, uh, nebulizing treatments in the clinical setting to help them break up the mucus in their lungs. 
Well, in all of those medications, N-acetylcysteine is the base um, ingredient um, in those types of medications. And it's the one that, and sometimes you'll notice when you open a bottle of it, it sometimes has a tendency to smell like eggs. Yes, sulfur-ish. Sulfur. So uh, now what we see is many um, pulmonologists will recommend the N-acetylcysteine supplement to their patients who have COPD or patients who have bronchitis issues um, or even uh, allergy issues in the spring to help with um, mucus production. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. my... my <laughs> 16-year-olds having tough spring allergies, so maybe I need to give him some. Give him some N-acetylcysteine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he'll roll his eyes. Oh, just something else my mom wants me to take. <laughs> um, so I, I did want to ask you, because you, you mentioned the stress reduction, which I do think is so key. Um, what are your favorite ways to reduce stress? Oh, I have several, but um, one of my best tips is journaling um, and deep breathing. But with journaling, there's a specific process I use for journaling. Um, I used to teach this in the clinical setting. I've taught it to uh, practitioners in the clinical setting and fellow nurses who were really faced with, uh, you know, you see a lot of um, conditions and situations clinically that um, you feel um, helpless. And when this is a daily basis, practitioners are extremely stressed. It's called compassion fatigue. <laughs> but um, with journaling, what I like to do is, you know, before you go to bed at night, you take a loose sheet of paper and you jot down everything you're worried about, you know, for the day. Everything that, you know, what's keeping you awake, what's bothering you, what's what's nagging at you, and just write those things down. and um, just when you're done, tell yourself, you know, I'll worry about these tomorrow and literally wad it up and throw it away. Then you take out your journal, you know, the, the, this is going to be the stuff that you keep. You're not keeping your worries, you're throwing them in the trash. <laughs> but you take out your journal and you write down at least 20 things that you're grateful for from that day. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what you're going to keep. You know, we all have 20 things we can be grateful for. It, you know, but people who are beginning journaling often don't know what they're grateful for. So it could be things like, I'm grateful I can breathe. I'm grateful I can see. I'm grateful I can walk. You know, and then you just start there. I'm grateful for the person who smiled at me at the post office. Or it could be anything. But you, you do this over time, and the results are just phenomenal. You know, you don't worry about the things the next day that you wrote about the night before. Those tend to go away. Um, along with that, um, reminding yourself to deep breathe every day. Just take, you know, five to ten minutes a few times a day that you can and focus on deep breathing. Um, taking a nice salt bath. It's just that we need, yeah, we need to get into not um, focusing on stress and reducing stress when we're having life stressful events. We need to be focusing on the focusing on these every day when we have any type of chronic 
health issue because it, it helps the body cope with the inflammation, not just our brain, our mind. <laughs> Even though, you know, negative thinking, um, negative thoughts, a lot of people really aren't fully aware of what a negative thought is, but we have thousands of them per day. And negative thinking is signaling inflammation in the body. Oh, I so believe that. And, and so I, a negative thought could be something like, for a woman, uh, you pass the mirror, you know, you pass by the mirror and you say to yourself, oh, I look awful today. Or, oh, I'm so tired today. Or, you know, you're feeding yourself these thoughts and over t those compounded are negative thoughts. Yeah, and, and you know what I think is probably one of the, the most stressful um, things that, that, that you sort of encounter during your day on this sort of low-level stress is scrolling through Facebook or Instagram <laughs> or social media. And, you know, not only all of the political stuff, but mm -hmm. just, you know, everybody's putting out their, um, you know, the, the, their best versions of themselves. You don't see all of the other stuff. Yes. And you start comparing yourself with their, you know, everybody's highlight reel. Um, and I think it, it gives, you know, you start thinking that you're less than, that you're not enough. Um, and that comparison, um, I don't know who I, who I can attribute the quote to, but comparison is the thief of joy. And um, I'm not sure who said that, but it's so true. And I think it, that comparison brings a lot of kind of chronic stress mm -hmm. as well. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't remember who said this either, but, you know, our brains can be hardwired towards negativity. Um, and, and that's what mainstream news knows about how the human brain works. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's why it's so addictive, it seems, for a lot of people. Uh, but really, it's true. Um, we have to tune those things out. We have to tune out the media. We have to shut Facebook off um, because it can be overwhelming. Yeah. And uh, so we, when we get into the comparison and feeling not good enough, those are just a, you know additional example, examples of negative thoughts. So, so put down the cell phone at night and pick up the journal. <laughs> yeah, pick up the journal, write down your worries on a loose sheet of paper and throw those away. Say you'll worry about those tomorrow and then focus on the good stuff. 20 things you're grateful for at least. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a challenge for everyone listening. You know, I, I, I'm going to do that tonight. Um, thanks. You know, I usually do three, like, in my head, but I'm going to try <laughs> writing them down um, on a piece of paper. You'll be <laughs> amazed over time. I can't wait to hear back from you. You'll have to report back how that went. Okay, I had a patient in the years ago in the psychiatric setting who I, I, I taught her how to do this, and when, when she saw me, like, two weeks later, she was just in tears because she said, you know, no one's ever taught me how to cope. You know, I, I didn't know I could cope and feel better. And she said, but I do this every night. And she showed me her, you know, like 14 days worth <laughs> of her journal. It was beautiful. Oh, you know, it, it does lift. It, it, and we were talking about the joy in the journey. It, um, mm -hmm. I, I think that definitely does help us find joy in the journey. And we don't sweat the small stuff um, as yes. much. Yes. And I think that kind of brings us to the, the subject of adrenal fatigue, you know, that... 
yeah. um, constant overwhelm and um, exhaustion that I know a lot of women with PCOS are dealing with, um, mm -hmm. myself included. I have to be very careful of, um, you know, nourishing my adrenals with supplements and acupuncture and salt baths and, mm -hmm. you know, all of the, you know, the stress reduction um, techniques that we just talked about. But mm -hmm. how, is, how uh, is adrenal fatigue connected with Hashimoto's? Yeah, so it's that chronic inflammation that's, you know, that's that, that physiological stress, the oxidative stress that's really um, causing the adrenals to react in a way that, for example, they want to release more cortisol because they're in this fight or flight mode for a while. Um, cortisol is the body's natural anti-inflammatory, but over time, with um, most autoimmune conditions or any long-term chronic health issue, they're going to become depleted and can't produce the uh, level of cortisol that they once did. So, you know, we need to support the adrenals. Obviously, some of the nutrients we can use, vitamin C is huge. Um, even though vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, what research has shown is that while it is in the body, the greatest concentrations are found in the adrenal cortex. That's like the heart of the adrenals. Um, so B vitamins, pantothenic acid is a great one, um, and it can depend on what phase of adrenal fatigue you're in, phase one, phase two, or phase three. Uh, dosages of nutrients, um, but you definitely want to, you know, be solid in your anti-inflammatory diet, reducing stress as much as possible. Um, some patients, if they're in phase three, have to uh, actually opt for a prescription for hydrocortisone. I don't like that, but it just depends on the extent to which their adrenals are fatigued. And how do you like to test for that? So I do a uh, saliva test in conjunction with a urine neurotransmitter test because I, I have found that neurotransmitters are uniquely related to hormone balance and um, adrenal function. So addressing all of those areas is usually helpful for a woman. Um, what I have found is that you know, there's this thing called the three-legged stool um, of thyroid disease. So you've got your thyroid, your adrenal glands, and your sex hormones, and those are all uh, related. So when one area is out of, out of balance, you know, you, you have to address all three because likely they're all out of balance. You can't really address one without the other. For example, for women, when cortisol production is insufficient, the body will usually steal from their progesterone because cortisol is vital for so many life-sustaining functions. We can't live without cortisol. Um, and this will result in depleted progesterone, you know, which is also estrogen dominance. In addition, imbalanced testosterone or hot flashes prior to menopause can also be a signal that there's an adrenal problem going on. So I like to test with Labrix labs. I do um, the neurohormone panel, which assesses all three of those areas plus, plus neurotransmitters. So 
Uh, well, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is regarding uh, Hashimoto's and um, remission. You know, mm -hmm. I know that there really is no cure for PCOS. I mean, you can certainly kind of keep symptoms at bay through lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. But what about ha Hashimoto's? Is it sort of a similar um, paradigm? Well, so <laughs> what I will discuss with women is that, you know, when we hear the term Hashimoto's, we assume it's a thyroid disease, right? Mm -hmm. When we hear the terms lupus, MS, rheumatoid arthritis in circles, you know, community circles, it's perceived that those autoimmune conditions are much, much worse. And although they may be, Hashimoto's can't be discounted <laughs> to just a thyroid disease. It is an autoimmune condition where the body has lost self-tolerance for itself and, you know, it's attacking the thyroid. So just like with MS or lupus or any other autoimmune condition, really, um, you can get into remission. Now, with Hashimoto's, I have not seen it with diet alone. I've heard about it. However, I've, I see a lot of labs on a daily basis, and I have not seen that. I have seen people get into remission, just as myself, with correction of nutrition, correction of any nutrient deficiencies, um, positive daily coping mechanisms for stress that we talked about, um, in addition to immune system modulators, you know, like low-dose naltrexone or um, mm -hmm. ModuCare, for example. And then there's a lot of research for myo and ozotol, which I'm sure you know um, quite a bit about, too, as well as being beneficial for PCOS. So I have seen people get into remission, um, but that doesn't mean that we can um, eliminate thyroid medication, you know, that, that's sort of a, a right. perception I see people have is, oh, you're in remission, you must not need your thyroid medication anymore. And that's not true. Um, that it can really depend on the extent to which the damage occurred, like how long was this attack on your thyroid going on. For me, it was eight years undiagnosed. So obviously, I, I, I was not able to go off of thyroid medication. So for women that are listening today, um, if, and they're, you know, the inflammation markers that you were talking about earlier in the podcast, and mm -hmm. they may um, have had, you know, some um, low thyroid uh, tests done, and you know, they want to dig deeper, and they want to mm -hmm. learn more about your work and your programs, um, mm -hmm. how can they find out more? Oh, great. So they can go to holisticthyroidcare.net. Um, they can follow me on the Holistic Thyroid Care page on Facebook. I, po I post a lot of positive and helpful information there. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at Thyroid Nurse. And your books are available on your website? Yes, they're on the website. And Hashimoto's Finding Joy on the Journey is on Amazon. And Hashimoto's R&R, hopefully, will be released end of 2018. Awesome. Well, <laughs> it, it was so nice talking to you today, Shannon. And thank you for sharing um, 
you know, all of your, your wonderful information. I'd love to have you come back and we could talk more about sort of the emotional side of, you know, dealing with chronic disease and, mm -hmm. um, you know, chronic health conditions. And, um, you know, it seems like something that you're really dialed in and I'd love to pick your brain more about. Oh, I would love to. That's one of my favorite areas. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. And if you liked the episode, please don't forget to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes um, or wherever else you might be listening to the show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. And if you think somebody else might benefit from this podcast, please take a minute to share it with a family member or friend so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter. I send it out um, every Thursday. Um, actually, now that we're getting into the summer, it's going to be every other Thursday. But just enter your email on pcsdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Goodbye. <laughs>